There is no beauty without some strangeness. Edgar Allan Poe. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I am Lee Hull. And I'm Leah Sis. And we are talking about world building today. My favorite thing to do. This is actually going to be a special two-parter. The first thing we're going to be talking about is creating a world that feels real, that feels vast, that feels interesting. And it doesn't necessarily mean we're creating a new world. We're just creating a new perspective on the world from your character's point of view. But we aren't going to be talking necessarily about the fantasy stuff until next time. Until I get to talk about magic. Yay! Our master magician. Don't worry, I don't do actual magician tricks. I just write a lot of magic. So what is it about world building that is important for a story? Honestly, variety. That's not the first thing that I think of when creating a world, but that's the most interesting thing about a world later on is, oh, there's a part of the world, the Misty Mountains, that they're going to have to trek through. Oh, and then there's this part of the world where there's no water. Then there's this part of the world where all the ants live and the trees talk really slow. And this world is massive because there's all these different interesting little elements that the characters get to experience. And we feel like there is more to the world than we even see in those very long books. Which is important when it comes to world building. Yes. One of the favorite quotes that I go to whenever I talk about world building is Patrick Rothfuss. And he said that 10% of your world building should actually be in your story. You should know the rest of the 90%, but only 10% goes in. You get to hint at it. How do you do that? One of the first things I approach when I'm creating a world is one, knowing the character through whose eyes you see the world. Because if it's on Earth, then a lot of your readers or listeners will know automatically what it's about. And so you have to create the New York underground of the assassins and how they communicate in the age of technology. They're using all switchboards. I'm talking about John Wick, if you guys aren't familiar with the the world. It's a very dark, almost comic booky kind of underground without being super cliche. It's a whole new world which sounded more Disney than I meant it to. (laughs) My favorite author is fantastic with this because Mm -hmm. he has these really intricate worlds, but he doesn't beat us over the head with description. Yes. He does a, a very good job of showing us the world through the character's eyes. That is probably the best way that you can go about it because you have to establish what kind of environment they're living in, but you don't want to be Tolkien and talk about a tree forever. Mm-hmm. It's not entertaining. So a great writing exercise is to take your favorite Marvel Avenger character and write a short story about them entering the palace grounds, how they see the palace grounds. And then maybe take your best DC villain, your favorite DC villain. How would they explain the palace grounds? Captain America versus Thor. What differences would they see on a palace grounds? I have two bosses. One of them is a former Vegas showgirl, and the other is a Marine Corps colonel. That is a very weird mix. (laughs) Yes. They see the world differently. So when she walks into a room, she's noticing the paint job. She's noticing if the trim is right. She's noticing if that art matches the flavor of the room that people are trying to portray. My colonel comes into a room and notices, okay, where are the exits? What's the most defensible space? What kind of people are in here? They might be the same room, but they're seeing it very differently. And that's something that you can really create in your character's world. How do I create a world? 
how do I start? One of my favorite ways to start a world, a country, is the topography. Are there mountains? Are we next to the ocean? Are we next to forests? If we're in a mountain area, snow accumulates on roofs and will slide off. So my ninja assassin character cannot run on rooftops. But they go to the desert where people are sunbathing and use the tops, the, their roofs as sort of a second story. He's running along all those rooftops all day long. You kind of hinted at it, but why would weather matter? It makes it feel real. If it's 72 degrees and sunny, the entire book, it feels fake. If you're setting it in modern day and the person works in insurance, then okay, fine. But adding a storm, making it super hot, all of these extra pieces, you can add stress to a situation. You can add comedy to a situation. You can add just tension as you're building your story. When it comes to environments, these things will change what the culture is like. One of the questions I ask, especially if I'm writing, creating a new world, is how the people live. And environments is a huge part of that. The series I wrote most recently, the fantasy series, there were humans sorted into two different groups. There were the nomadic people and then the stationary people. And their worlds were very different because one didn't know what sellers were. They just literally didn't have a word for sellers in their language. But the ones that are stationary have to build different things. And a lot of their legacy, their personal legacy, is built on creations that will outlast them. For me, that's what I find most entertaining as a reader. What kind of living that they do affects what happens. You have Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn, where the whole world is affected by volcanic ashfall. So that creates new jobs. You have an entire class of people whose sole purpose is to clean up ash. There's a lot more to consider when you're building your world and your environment and how it affects your characters. Another thing that as an author, when you're creating your world to think about is languages. I love writing linguists because they're so much fun, but you have to be very careful with it because there is not always a direct translation for every word. And sometimes your writers and your linguists are the worst speakers. Oh, yes. <laughs> Definitely in my experience, and I can speak personally, especially. I'm not very good at the whole talky-talky thing, but I'm really good at the whole typey-typey thing. <laughs> what kind of world building have you seen that you really enjoy? Um, I mentioned John Wick, which I thought was really good. Another thing that I think people should experience is Crazy Rich Asians. They did a really good job of world building. Took place on Earth. It was like a romance and, you know, will they, won't they kind of thing. She was transported to the other side of the world where there was this whole other culture of all of the rich people she suddenly had to fit in with. And it was very awkward. And she did have a, a guide character who sort of said, no, you can't wear that. You got that at Walmart. That doesn't count. Whatever. Um, but the way they created the world on Earth was really well done. I am a very fantasy reader. And so when I'm reading a fantasy novel, it's rarely set on Earth. My favorite ones are the ones where they've really thought out how everything affects everything. Because your environment is going to affect your culture, your weather is going to affect your architecture, their lifestyle is going to affect their language. These are things that I love to see in a book. Not all at once. No. <laughs> Not. This no. should be trickled in. Really, the way that you should be introducing your world is through the plot 
and through the character's eyes. Don't write 50 pages of exposition to explain your world. I will ignore that. And I probably won't read the rest of your book. I will put it down and find something that gets interesting sooner. This is why notes are really important as a a world-building author. So you can track your world without having to force the reader to read it all. One of my favorite things when I pick up a fantasy novel is I like to see a map in the front of the book. I love maps. Maps make me happy. And I actually keep that as part of my note collection. And I won't fill it all in in one setting. I'll fill it in as I write. Okay, well, we haven't mended this part of the palace yet. What's over here? Oh, okay, so let's put that there. And so fill it in as you write so you can stay consistent, but you don't have to have it all planned out ahead of time because then you don't feel like you have to say, she wandered the palace and then there was this on the left. There's no way the the audience is going to remember all that anyway. And they really don't care. Nope, not at all. If it doesn't matter to the plot, the readers don't care. Mm-hmm. What is your pet peeve when it comes to characters and worlds? Having everyone understand without me. When they all understand that the trees are purple, it's very easy to not mention that. And then three quarters of the way through the book, they mention, oh, so she peeled some of the purple bark off. Wait, what? And so my whole image of what's going on changes, and it's very easy to get lost, to feel like an outsider. You want the reader to feel engaged. And I'd say fantasy tends to be one that a lot of authors jump in on because they love reading it. And then flounder in because there's so much that they want to put in there. I'll see people spending 10 years on designing a world. It's like, well, tell me about your main character. Oh, I I don't know. Then you don't need to worry about if the mermaids have lightning magic. If you don't have a main character, you don't have a story. Yes. My biggest pet peeve is when everyone in the world knows everything about the world. No. I hate that so much. Yeah. As much as I love Hermione, she was also a very annoying character. She was brand new to the world. She was muggle-born going into this wizarding world. In week one, she knows everything like she's read every book in the library. Sorry, that's impossible. As, As much as I would like to read every book in a library within a week... So make it realistic still. And that is that is the whole purpose of the world building, is making it believable. Even if it is a fantasy setting, make it believable for your readers. Yes. And don't put the information in there until it's, it's relevant. But the fact that the trees are purple might not even be relevant. Does it move the plot forward? And that's when you're talking about any element of the culture. Does mentioning it move the plot forward? And that is why 10% of how you build the world actually ends up in your book. Join us on the next episode if you want to learn a lot more about how to incorporate magic into your world building. Until then, write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. <laughs>